Bible, please, to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And I'll be reading the uh, first verse there. Um, be a little bit of a different sermon. I know our pastor likes to go through a series, preach through an entire book of the Bible. I don't have that time. Um, even the smaller books, I don't think I'd be able to cover in one sermon, so I'll have to uh, go more of a topical type sermon where we do a lot of turning in the scriptures to kind of focus in on one topic. All right, uh, the topic we'll be focusing on today is faith. Faith is a very important aspect of our belief, of uh, teaching of uh, doctrine. We need it for salvation. Um, we see in uh, Ephesians 2.8 where it says, for, the, for by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a very important aspect. So there in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. As we look through the Bible, a very simple uh, search, word search through any tool that you use, faith will show up 231 times it is mentioned at minimum. And that is not even counting the times where faithfulness is mentioned or faithful as in a faithful servant. So that does that just simply searching the word faith is mentioned well over 200 at well over 200 times. But the question that I often encounter, and I'll tell you a story very quickly of my time working on the job. I got, I became very, I developed a very close friendship with a gentleman who had been to Catholic school. And he had, him and his family had been scarred by the Catholic Church and heresies that had been taught, inconsistencies that he had seen. And he had a hard time having faith in anything. And I would try to point him to a Bible passage. And he would always bring up the topic whenever I brought up Scripture. Well, how do you even know that Scripture? It's like a, he, the illustration he would use is it's like a game of telephone. So-and-so told this person who told that person. And it's like the game you play as kids where it doesn't get transferred. And how do we know we have God's word at the end of it? Well, we know that we have that. We have to base that on our faith. And faith, faith is very simply put, if you look at the, in the dictionary, it is a belief. It is putting your trust in the authority of someone else, someone greater. And that is one aspect of it. And also, as you see, another aspect of it that we will go over even further here in Hebrews 11, 1, where it says it is a substance of things hoped for, and it is evident, the evidence of things not seen. Um, looking up in the dictionary because I'll use the illustration 
of uh, when breaking down a verse of equating it to a math problem. And when you get into the higher levels of math, high school math and algebra, things become more complicated. You get more variables thrown in. And the way that you break all that down, tear all that apart, and try to understand it, those problems, and what that problem is trying to equate, is you don't look at it and try to solve it just looking at the one big problem. You go in and you break down. You do, um, let's see if I remember it correctly. Well, I can't remember the correct correct steps of it, but you have to multiply certain things. You have to take out your addition. You have to take out your subtractions. You have to take out your divisions, and you do it all in a very certain sequence. And that's what I will try to do here with this verse and with this topic on faith. So there will be, I will be using uh, definitions from the dictionary, and some of them, they... Sometimes I look in the dictionary and I see a definition and there's words in that definition that I don't understand. So I need to look up the words to the definition of those definitions. <laughs> so that's what we will be doing a little bit of. So no, we're not going back to school, even though Pastor said I just graduated from there. But I won't try to go back to it because that was a long, thankfully gone time of my life. The first thing it says about faith is that faith is substance of things hoped for. Substance is something that is a quality of being meaningful. It is not just any random aspect. So faith is something that is meaningful. It is a meaningful aspect of things that are important. It is useful. It is important. One of the definitions, a very simple definition of substance, right there in the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, is important. That's what, that is one of the things that faith is. Also, when we look down a little bit further in there, it is the evidence of things not seen. Evidence is a visible sign of something. Now, before I go too much further, I must make a distinction here between evidence and proof. Sometimes people try to use faith or, oh, I have faith that such and such will come to pass. Um, pick on the old city that I was recently employed at, Chicago. And of those who have been down there, on the north side, there are these weird people who have faith that a certain team named after a infant mammal will somehow achieve a championship that this team has not achieved in over a century. I'm, of course, referring to the Cubs. <laughs> now, you can have faith as much as you want in the Cubs, but do you, do these individuals not realize that generations, literally generations, and even if I break down generations as being 40 years, a 40 year period is a generation, there have been multiple generations who, though they had faith in this weird team, they have not proven successful. So faith in and of itself is not proof. Faith is substance and it is evidence. And also, another question that we come to is where does faith come from? 
that I'll go back to the story of uh, my friend who was very um it's hard for me to speak about it because he was a very close friend of mine and I I I do wish that I would have been able to lead him to the Lord but um there are a lot of things that scarred him but anyways he he said well you have faith and I don't and I would ask him and I'd try to explain to him where faith comes from and what it is and we're going to take a look here in the Bible I would like you to turn First off, just turn over a couple pages if you're in Hebrews 11. Turn over to Hebrews 12, and we'll look at verse 2. All right, in Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, if you'll keep your finger there, turn back in your Bible to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. It says in Romans 12, verse 3, For I say, though the gra- through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Right there in those two passages alone, we see that faith comes from God. And very specifically, in Romans, we see that God has given each person a measure of faith. And by the exhortation not to think of ourselves more highly, each man is given a different measure of faith by God. Um, A very basic example of what this measure of faith is, is something that that we are able to see in children, small children, particularly uh, like my little son, uh, little Rick. He has faith when I hold him, and he grabs onto my beard and my shirt that I won't drop him. I won't let harm come to him. He has faith. And where that faith comes from, he was born with it. That was given to him by God. That did not come from any man. That did not come from any experience because there had been no previous experience to him coming into this world where he knew that I that I knew how to hold things. He didn't know that I had younger siblings that I had practiced on, and some of those I did drop, but... <laughs> <laughs> we won't mention which ones they are, but they'll be happy to tell you. <laughs> Even though they have no evidence... That this happened. <laughs> but going back to the point, Rick, he had he has faith in me as his father that I will be able to take care of him, even though he has no proof of that. He has faith. And I believe that is part of the measure of faith that God has given to each of us. It can be seen in a little child there. Now also Moving, uh, taking it a step further from that initial gift that God gives each baby or each of us at birth, a certain level of faith, 
Turn over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 17. And there it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So also in that passage, we see that through another means, God gives us more faith through his word. Now the word of God is written by God. It talks about in John for uh In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this here, even in this, hearing the Word of God, you are hearing God's words, and that is also how God gives you a level of faith. Now, once you have this level of faith, what what do you do with it? Some people, as I mentioned um, in my illustration about those uh, crazy individuals on the north side of Chicago, they take that faith that God has given them and they place it into a sports team. Or you can, another illustration of it that was shown um, right about the time when I was in the service was there was a big, uh, right before I went to the service actually, um, the big collapse of an energy company out in California where entire towns and entire peoples that lived in these towns and entire industry was built on faith in what one company was saying. So people can invest that faith that they are given by God. They can invest it into trivial things like sports teams. They can invest it into things like their job, which may or may not, which won't uh, fulfill them spiritually, but may be a sufficient amount of faith to take care of their financial needs. But also some people decide rather to place their faith in what they term as science or what they are taught in school, the science. Because faith, remember, going back to the definition, is trusting somebody else's authority. So people may place their faith in that. Or people may place their faith in their family or any number of things. An illustration of how much faith that you people have and operate on a daily basis, I'll use a simple illustration. I'm a truck driver of my uh, big rig. Now, when I get into that big rig, I do know, as I'm required by law, to know many of the components of it, to be able to check them to make sure they're not broken, to be able to see when they're damaged. However, when I go in there and I push the clutch down, make sure it's out of gear, and turn the key, wait a couple seconds for the glow plugs to heat up. I don't know what glow plugs look like. I don't know exactly how they work. I don't know exactly what they do. But I know that that little light on the dashboard has to turn off, otherwise... I will ruin the engine if I just straight crank it. So I turn the key. I don't know exactly how all the fuel lines work. I don't know exactly how all the fuel pumps work. I don't know what the exact pressure within the fuel lines has to be. And 
I looked and I checked on these cold days to make sure the fuel wasn't gelled, but I can't see every place where the fuel goes. So I have faith when I turn that crank that it's going to turn over because well, one of the reasons is because every other time I've done it, it's turned over. <laughs> Except for the one time where um, I left the lights on. But I noticed that because as soon as I turned the switch over, the battery was dead. So I knew what to expect. <laughs> that was a fun day. <laughs> All right, won't go into that one. Um, so that is how faith is applied on a very basic daily level. Another level I'll tell you about that's a little more um, in-depth. When I was overseas, I was it was my first tour over there, and we were stationed with a group of um, Iraqi ar- army um, along the Syrian border. And just to tell how much faith was needed in so many different things to be able to operate in that environment. First, there are 13 Marines, and now imagine a area about as big as from, okay, let's imagine the driveway back there is one berm. That's 63 is another one that you got little uh, the little road right there. That's another one. So you got the three sides. And then the other side of this church, that was the camp, the size of the camp we lived in. And all along the edge of that camp, there were four outposts at each corner, one about halfway in the middle of it. And all those posts were guarded by the Iraqi army. Now, the Iraqi army soldiers were not very disciplined. They were, um, okay, I'll give you an example. <laughs> I get a call over the radio. I'm in the radio area with, there's me. I got the Marine radios, the American radios, and then there's the Iraqi guy with the Iraqi radios and la da dee da coming over that. I don't, I, <laughs> so all of a sudden I hear, come over that radio, and they're back and forth. I don't understand them. <laughs> and finally the guy turns to me, he's like, oh, mister, mister, we find the bomb. I was like, oh, Zan, Zan, good, good. You, they found an IED. Great. No one got hurt. Uh, when? When bomb? When? Pretty much translates roughly in their language to where is it? And I point to the map. Like, okay, just show me on the map. Normally they'd point to a general area and we'd have to go out there, find exactly where this said bomb was. And then we'd guide in the Navy uh, explosive ordnance disposal. They'd take a robot out there, drop a little piece of C4 on top of the bomb. Boom, normal bomb. Well, <laughs> this time the Iraqi... Looks at me and says, oh, it's coming here. It's like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> what do you mean the bomb's coming here? And as I said, I what do you mean? <laughs> there was a big language barrier. So I decide I'm going to go get one of the big guys in charge, and I'll let him sort this out. This is over my pay grade. Well, as I'm walking out, I look across, and imagine I'm standing, well, actually I'm standing right by where I am now. And I see them come in, like right to where that doorway is, with a pickup truck, and <laughs> they take off, they unload out the back of this pickup truck a artillery shell that stands about that tall, is about that big around, and when it detonates, 
it obliterates everything for a football field. And there's just wires all over this thing. <laughs> and I tell them, oh, God, stop, stop. The genius that is holding the nose of this artillery round, what? <laughs> the nose of the artillery round plants into the ground, and I, I was very upset with him. So I go get the officer, and the officer proceeds to tell them how dumb they are. And I won't use the words he used, but... As far as, back to my point, as far as faith goes, these Iraqis, that's, everybody in this room knows, this goes boom, do not drop. When you drop, it goes boom. They didn't even have that understanding. So in the middle of 300 of these individuals like that, there are also traitors within that mix, within that bunch. And the Marines, we'd go to sleep. At night, and we were literally like where we would sleep would be about where the sandbox is, and where the Iraqis would sleep would be about where that church building is. And after about two or three weeks of just being awake, terrified at night, you eventually get enough faith that, okay, these guys aren't going to hurt me. Okay, we've got this under control. And that helps me go into my next point with how is your faith grown? Because you've already covered where faith comes from. We've covered the necessity of it. It comes from God. Each man is given a measure of faith. Now we need to look at how is that faith nurtured? Well, number one, it's nurtured through the Holy Spirit. I need you to turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 14 and look at verse 26. And in there it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, number one, we see there that the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance everything that God has taught us. If our faith also comes from hearing the Word of God, as we looked at in Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 17, the Holy Spirit will bring that to our remembrance. So that illustrates the importance of our faith being nurtured through the Holy Spirit. But you have to give a little bit of a side note here. This isn't in my notes. A little bit of a side note here. It says right there, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. So for one, you've already had to have it. You already you have to, if you want it to be brought to your remembrance, you have to have studied. It has to have been there in the first place. Turn in your Bibles to the next point, which will be in Second uh, Timothy chapter two and verse fifteen. And in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
study, studying the Word of God, will also build your faith. And it ties right into the next point that I'll go to, which is, um, these are going to be kind of bang-bangs. They all tie in together real quick. It'll also, through uh, teaching, which you'll look even sooner in that chapter there, in uh, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, And the things which thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others. So in those three points real quick, it comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things that you study, as you're, as we are, as Christians are instructed to in Second Timothy, and it'll also help us to teach it what we are also commanded to do in Second uh, Timothy. Now that we look at that, the Holy Spirit will help us nurture our faith through teaching it and through <coughs> through studying it, through studying the things of our faith, through studying our doctrines. Um, I'll give you another uh, military example of how studying and how teaching of our doctrines helps you be able to go about with whatever you need to do. We got a call. This is the same location we're at that I told you about earlier. We were in the command post. We were about five miles from the Syrian border, and we got a distress call. Now, we were not set up to handle distress calls. There's 13 Marines, and you're supposed to, at that time, you're supposed to send three vehicles outside of the wire anytime three vehicles left to prevent situations we had that some of you may remember at the beginning of the war with people being captured or with people just walking off and deserting, which didn't happen very often, but it did happen. So three vehicles are required minimum to leave. Well, each vehicle is technically supposed to have four members in it. So if we maxed out those vehicles, you're sending out 12 and you're leaving one guy back to man the radio back at the base. So if they're calling us, something bad happened. (laughs) We got the call. A group of snipers encountered a group sneaking in from Syria that they described to be platoon size. That's over 50, 60 individuals coming across the Syrian border. And a sniper team is two men. So they're about to be overrun. Their position is discovered. We go out there, and 12 against 50 is still bad odds. (laughs) So without even thinking about it, as we got in the trucks... We threw in the machine guns, locked them in place. We didn't have, we didn't have time to test fire those machine guns. So if we looked at some of our Christian faith, the way that uh, individuals such as my friend down in Indiana did, well, how do you know that machine's going to fire? Did you fire it? Gotta have faith that it's going to fire. Well, how do you know? You don't know exactly what type of situation you're running into running up against those Syrians. Well, we got to have faith that we got each other's backs that we learned through training. We get out there. The snipers come flying off the cliff. We're down at the bottom of the cliff. These guys come flying down, and we got out of there, and we were burning out of there. It was... 
we um there was a uh, a stand in the middle of the road that someone I I know someone pushed this there to try to slow us down. Someone pushed a cart into the middle of the road. <laughs> and our captain is yelling, just hit it, hit it. <laughs> Good thing these Iraqis do not know how to build things very well because that cart turned into a bunch of kindling <laughs> when we hit it. I was the vehicle behind it, and whew, that was a show. <laughs> There's an axle going that way, an axle going that way. But anyways, as we were rushing out there, this whole thing, mind you, took less than half an hour. So we didn't have time to test fire weapons. We didn't have time to go over what exactly we're going to do. We didn't have time to go over, okay, where are these guys going to sit in the vehicle? Which vehicle are they going to go in? How are we going to secure? Are there going to be casualties? All those things you normally go over when you go outside the wire, we didn't have time to. We just had to have faith in our training and faith that what we had studied and that what we had rehearsed and in what we had practiced, it would be able to get us through. And it did. And also... That leads into the point. Look in, uh, turn over into James 1 and look at verses uh, 2 and 4. <coughs> it says, My brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So the trying of your faith, we see here, worketh patience. Now when patience has its perfect work, its whole work, its complete work, you won't be lacking, you won't be wanting anything. Your faith will be complete. Now, the last point, and then we'll be out of here, is what are we to use this faith for? We know now we looked at all men are given a measure of faith. And some people, the things they put it in, they put it either into their science, they put it into their, their studies, they put it into something as foolish as a sports team. And no, I, I was a little disappointed uh, when Pastor brought up the Great Commission in his sermon, even though he, um, it was something that I wanted to talk about a little more, and I should have had the foresight to know that, okay, he preached this last week, well, he's going to preach this this week, but I didn't look that far ahead. The purpose, the where we ought to be putting our faith and how we ought to be using it, once it has been tried, once it has been, what the Bible says, perfect, what has been whole. We would use it to witness. And along the simple facts of witnessing, where it says, turn real quick, even though we were uh, just there this morning, turn to uh, uh, Matthew 5, verse 16. So we can see it one more time. And kind of get in and just maybe uh, help ingrain a little bit more into our uh, understanding. It says in Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. People should be able to see. If you look back at um, Hebrews 11, chapter 1, 
faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not, or the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Your faith should have substance and your faith should be evidence so that people can see it. People can glorify your fathers in heaven who is in heaven. Your faith needs to be something that you practice. It needs to be something that you tell others about, that we tell others about wherever we go, at your workplace, when you encounter someone, hearing what Mr. Uh, Moody had said that he vowed to witness to one person a day, that's not something for everybody, but you ought to bring up your faith at least as much as you bring up things that come up more easily in conversation, things like sports, things like your job. And if you're having a hard time, just a little practical application here. If you are having a hard time figuring out, okay, how do I bring up that I'm a Christian? How do I tell my friends about my faith as I'm commanded to by God in the Great Commission? Think of the things, look at the things that come up easiest to you. Be it your job, be it your favorite sports team. For you ladies, the latest sale you found at... um Whatever store. I noticed that another real quick illustration. Uh, this, I told my wife I wouldn't use her as an illustration in a bad way, so this isn't the bad one. <laughs> I will be down in southern Minnesota where there's no cell phone service, and I'll get a call on my phone, and I got my little Bluetooth on, and bling, 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 you have a call, Brenda, John, Brenda Peterson. It's like, oh, answer the call. Hey babe, do you have left, do you have time? Uh, yeah, but my service cuts out down here, so make it quick. Oh, awesome! I found this really amazing sale, and I saved such and such money. How much money did you spend in order to save this amount of money? Well, it it only cost fifty dollars, but I saved twenty dollars. So you spent fifty dollars. <laughs> But I digress. I said I wasn't going to use it in a negative sense. (laughs) Ladies, the excitement that you show about sales that you find, think of your salvation that way. Think of your faith that way. Guys, I'll speak for myself here, that excitement you get when you get that brand new gun that is just awesome. It can reach out in this new ammo you found that can make your group a quarter of an inch smaller at a thousand yards. The excitement you have to tell someone about that or how excited you are about your sports team, how you vanquish whatever opponent you vanquished if you play in a sports game or how you live vicariously like I do through the uh, accomplishments of the Badgers and the Packers and the other teams. The excitement you have about that. Find a way to look at what you have that excitement for. Find out how you can translate the things of the Bible and put that in the place of the sports. What did it take for you to get that excited over the Green Bay Packers? How much did you have to study about them? How much did you have to know before you became that excited about them and know their history or know the history of the coach or where the plays come from or how great they are in that environment? Seek to know that much about the Bible 
try to know that much about your salvation. And just like you didn't, ladies didn't learn how to coupon on the first day. They didn't know it. They weren't born with that ability. At least I don't think they were you. I don't, I don't know. And guys, I know for a fact we weren't born with the ability to shoot a gun because the first time Bob gave me a 12 gauge, I ended up on my rear. So, <laughs> so we weren't born with that ability. You had to build it. You had to study it. You had to find out from someone more experienced than you. And that's what we need to do with our salvation. And that's what will make our faith grow. And faith is a very important part of our, it's a very important part of our spiritual lives. And it is very important to share the Great Commission as we are taught and to share salvation with a lot of other people that are lost in our world. And uh, with that, I'll uh, close this out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father,